0: Good afternoon to you. I'm Al Cresta. With me right now, longtime friend and colleague, Dr. Ray Garendi, father of 10, clinical psychologist, public speaker, nationally syndicated TV and radio host. You know him from The Doctor Is In and from the television program Living Right with Dr. Ray, author of many books, including most recently Thinking Like Jesus, The Psychology of a Faithful Disciple. Great to see you here. Thanks, Al. Appreciate it.
1: And I've had the privilege of uh, sitting in your chair there. Yeah. got to tell you, I feel smarter sitting there. I really do. I don't know what it is, some kind of IQ ambiance or something? <laughs> yeah, we absorb it through the seat. Is that, well, I don't want to say that.
0: <laughs> That's a special chair. It's a spe-
1: <laughs> I, look, I watch Jeopardy! and I say, you know, I bet Al Cresta would know the answer to that one.
0: Uh, I don't know about that. I do, I, when I do get a chance, I do like Jeopardy! though. It is a fun, fun program. Um. I want to talk to you about your experience. You've been in how, how long have you been um, in practice? I mean, in, in, oh, in I don't want to
1: say this because people could do the math. It's well, been forty years. Oh, that's longer than I thought too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I started in middle school. I did. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're the one
0: that you're helping all those junior oh, yeah.
1: high. I counted that junior high girls have strong self-esteem it was awfully traumatic because they all liked me as a friend (laughs) well you know i don't know if i've told you this story before but in
0: junior high my sister lynn had a book and she would carry it around with her and she'd ask her friends and really anybody to write in that book what they thought about so-and-so oh yeah can you imagine that my sister did this so um uh, being curious, she was, she was years ahead of J. Edgar Hoover, <laughs> so she had this book with every, all these people's opinions about their classmates. So I obviously, you know, figured out a way to get a hold of the book. Yeah, oh, that's in, worth millions. Yeah. So, uh, and
1: who, who do you think I looked for first? Me, well, you. Okay, but on, see, you don't have to do that now because you got social media, and, and now we can we can do that in massive it numbers. Hap- it does happen in massive numbers.
0: But it was interesting how cruel people could be. When they weren't Anonymous is
1: cruel. Yeah. I was driving the other day and I didn't notice that I had the right of way, so I thought I had to stop. So I started to stop and the car behind me went crazy. (laughs) Yelling and screaming and along with nonverbal signals. (laughs) The next light I stopped. The driver looks over at me. She was in her seventies. Wow. And I thought to myself, "Wow, would you do this if we were standing in a fast food line, and I did something in front of you that was inappropriate or frustrating? Would you do this? Of course not. But she was in that vehicle, and that was enough anonymity for her to go crazy. Wow, wow, that's seven. That's a lot of energy. And you know what I did? <laughs> I, you know, Al." M- Trying to be a Christian stops me from doing a lot of things I want to do. Yeah, but not that day. Impulsive. I rolled down my window and I looked at her and I said, "You know, you got a big mouth for a little lady." Did you say that? Too? Yes, I did. And she looked at me and started cussing me out again. So I figured, well, that one didn't work. <laughs> Power of
0: confrontation. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Well, in all the years that you've been, you've heard, you must have heard lots of things from clients over the years. Oh, my ears hurt. I want to talk. uh, (laughs) I I, I saw a survey of some of the absolute worst things marriage therapists, I guess they're called couples therapists. Well, you know what I
1: haven't heard? What? I've been waiting to hear this. For someone to come into my office, marriage counseling, and say, You know why I'm here? Because it has finally occurred to me. I am extremely difficult to live with. Yeah, and I need help. So my spouse is going to describe all my flaws, and I'm going to work on them. Nobody's done that. I've never heard that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, the,
0: I, I got a good one for you here. Okay, the guy wants to have a calls a therapist and uh, brings his wife in, and he confesses that he has been on Ashley Madison the site that you go to if you want to have an adulterous affair and he's concerned about it cuz he he wants to but he doesn't want to he's ambivalent about it and he says but i i've met somebody on the site that i really want to spend time with and i love and uh turns to his wife and says how does that make you... Or the therapist turns to his wife and says, how does that make you feel? Oh, boy, is that... Now, is that a deep probing question? <laughs> right, right, Here's a course. training to say, how does that make you feel? She says, well, I don't know if I should consider that he wants an adulterous affair or not, because... I'm the one he's talking to on Ashley Madison.
1: Oh! <laughs> remember that song? What was that? Do you like pina coladas? Yes. You remember that little old lady that I put the one ad in and it turned out to be the girl that I've been dating? She answered the <laughs> one ad? <laughs> right, right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that. So he wants to have an adulterous affair with a woman who appears not to be his wife. Yeah, but it page. is she his looks wife. Looks good on paper. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me, what are some of the... Uh, the most troubling things you've heard? A spouse has an affair.
1: Yeah. Comes to light. They're trying to heal. Okay. Within about two to three months after the, I hate to use the word affair. Sorry, that's a slip. Adulterate relationship. He's upset. If he's the one that had the relationship, he's upset. How long are you going to punish me? When are you going to get over this? He's saying this to his aggrieved wife. Wow. Oh, I get that all the time. As a matter of fact, that's probably the main thing that stops the healing because now he's getting upset because she's not gone back to normal. I look, how, at, how, I, I look at these people and I say, do you understand what you did? Do you, do you have any inkling of the damage that you have created? And if you want to heal, I'm real blunt with him, Al. If you want to heal, then you better realize as long as it takes her to get over this, you're going to have to live with it, and you're going to have to not say, how long are you going to make me pay
0: for what I did? So so the answer is as long as she needs. As
1: long as it takes. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's amazing that uh, you would hope that he would be uh, on his knees. He was for about a month. Okay, for about and then then you need to get over it. I'm trying. I'm trying to put myself in that position, and so you've got to get over it because I've done my pen. I've done. I've I've mandated what my I'm penance sorry. should be. My I'm penance, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I did my penance.
1: Now it's your responsibility to uh, forgive me and grant me absolution. He gets here. mad because she doesn't want to be intimate. He gets mad because she checks his phone. He gets mad because she doesn't trust him. He gets mad because he tries to be nice and she's wary. All of these things he did while he was having this two-year affair. And she is now the villain. And sometimes what happens, Al, the complicating factor, he's still waffling. And so he wants to justify the right to go back. Because his wife oh. is not being easy to live with, so that gives him another uh, well, yeah. excuse to now
0: go out and seek another affair, yeah. or oh. the same one, or the same affair. Yeah, yeah. affair is a funny word. You, it, it is. It's like a fluffy little word, yeah, isn't it? I just realized that it's a word that I use too. But you're right. We should call it for what it is. It's an adulterous relationship. Yeah. Um, language is, is we really need to watch our words, don't mm-hmm. we? Uh, I was better off before
1: I met you. Have you heard that? Oh, you know where I hear that one a lot. Where in Christianity? I was a much, I was a much happier person before I became a Christian. Really? Well, yeah, because now I have a, I have a measuring stick. Before I'm a, I'm a good person. I haven't killed anybody. <laughs> I see. I don't cheat big time on my taxes. I'm okay. I define what good is, so I was pretty, pretty content with myself. Well, now. I've got a different standard, and i I see how I'm not measuring up like I thought, and this is really uncomfortable and i was i I liked me so much better before I became a Christian. You get into a relationship with another person, I liked me so much better before I had to learn to compromise and to serve and to look at somebody else's needs, yeah, yeah, heck, yeah, yeah, all I had to worry about was what Ray Garendi wanted right 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 <laughs> that's that's a really
0: adolescent boy attitude isn't it I mean, sure it is. I'm thinking. I became a Christian when I was 23, so I have to go back to when I was in my teens to really remember a time where I was without any real interest or concern in Christianity. But I can remember, I was t- talking to one of our uh, producers here earlier today. I said, you know, I, when I was 17, I, I thought to myself, I was a, I was a, he- a hedonist. I mean, I, whatever gave you pleasure is fine. You know, ha- as few hassles as possible, go have pleasure. So in my mind, I never thought I'd get married. Why, why limit yourself? And I never thought I'd have children. Why the inconvenience? Think about that. Talk of, That is a 17-year-old boy, uh, immature 17-year-old boy, thinking about reality. And that's what you're saying a lot of these people are. They're basically arrested development cases. They don't really believe that their well-being is found in serving others or in being,
1: finding fulfillment in love. If you look at the stats, there are more and more of those. Yes. More and more surveys will tell you the young people don't want to have children, or if they do, they want one for the experience. Uh, they, by and large, don't want to get married. Uh, you look at the stats, under age 35, more are living together than are married, yeah. and more children are born out of wedlock than in wedlock. So their whole moral persona is different. If you take that into marriage, I always say to folks when they are raising a little spoiled brat, I will say, you know, I don't suspect he'll get in serious trouble with the law. But I sure wouldn't want to be married to him. Yeah. Uh,
0: What becomes... I mean, w- w- more children being born out of wedlock. That's true. Mm-hmm. We're, over, we're over the 50% mark. Uh, which means then that the a lot of the social controls that used to be in place, the stigmatization, the shame, the, the things that would make you stop and say, I, I, I don't think I ought to do that. Those things are missing.
1: Guardrails are gone.
0: Yeah. Um, and we're... This is the again, it hasn't been that long since we've been living this
1: way, so we don't really know the full social consequences of this yet. The 60s, the out of wedlock birth rate was 5%. Yep. Divorce rate was under 10%. This is the 60s.
0: Yeah. Divorce revolution begins in the 70s and it's grown, and we've got, uh, of course, uh, promiscuity has grown. Um, Although it is interesting, they're saying now that uh, promiscuity is down a bit because. because of social media, that uh, people, are, young men in particular, are being satisfied by pornography. Do you Do you have any thoughts? <coughs> I saw an ugly
1: survey. Approximately. Hey, let's pick that
0: up after the break. I hear the music coming up right now.
1: I'm peaking. I'm emotionally peaking. I don't know if I'll be peaking after the break. Well, hang on to it. Oh, it's going to be. Tough. You're 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 beyond impulse. So,
0: <laughs> Ragerendi, my guest. I'm Al Cresto. We'll be right back. Good afternoon. I'm Al Crester. With me, Dr. Ray Garendi. Just looking over some of the some of the strangest things, uh, funny, worst, terrifying things that have been said in um, in counseling, in therapy sessions with him over the years. We we're talking though about social consequences of over fifty percent out of wedlock births, and the uh, inability, losing all the social controls of shame and stigmatization that go on with that. Um,
1: Where do you think... Where do we go? We subset. People will say, well, cultures are like an ice skater. One foot that way, then the other foot goes that way, and we kind of recoup and re-recover and the pendulum swings. No, it doesn't. People will say that to me. They'll say, well, you know, we're going to get back to being religion and a faithful... No, we're not. I don't believe that at all. Because if you lose it, you lose it. What tends to happen... Is that people clump with like. Yeah. So they hang more with like belief systems, homeschoolers, faithful Christians, they start to clump. Yeah. And that's what happens. There's subsets within the larger. And you look at Europe. I mean, that's the way Europe is. They're just tiny little percentages of Christians who clump together, but the but the whole society Goes in a different direction, and secularism basically says we make up our own morals. We live in an interesting society. Think about this, Al. Essentially, anything agreeable sexually is okay. Mm-hmm. It's not only not okay, but uh, okay, but it, ha- it has to be celebrated. You and I have to applaud it.
0: Yeah, every every new gate that gets uh, opened or wall that gets knocked down is celebrated as Except liberation. There
1: is one. There is one that can be demeaned and can be assaulted with impunity. A married woman having more than two children. Mm -hmm. If that isn't the irony of everything turned on its head, I don't know what is.
0: Yeah, well, Norway says they need more children. Prime Minister is issuing desperate pleas to citizens to have more babies. Hungary's Prime Minister is offering zero taxes for families with
1: four or more kids. Europe's having to boost its birth rate. Reality always wins. Yeah. Always. You know, we used to say that in psychology. You can deny reality all you want, and you can run things the way you want, but it's like gravity. You know, eventually you're going to hit the ground, and if God designed reality a certain way, ultimately all of our smartness is going to bite us in the butt.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Only a matter of time.
0: In your experience, are Christians very good at testing? Are, are, Are Christians better at
1: testing reality? They did a survey. I think it was some university in Chicago. They asked whole groups of people, singles, marrieds, divorced, how satisfied are you with your physical life, meaning intimacy? Yeah, okay. No surprise. Guess who? Highest satisfaction. Guess who? Well, I thought it was Christian women. Committed marrieds. Yeah. That's right. Now, that goes totally against what our culture says. Our culture says Dave will make care, variety, right, have fun, right, right. experiment. How could you how could you lock yourself into one person? But if reality, and we as Christians assume reality is God, says, no, this is the better way to do it, then psychology, for as slow as they are to come to the party, and they are, ultimately says, Oh, gee, isn't that interesting? Married people, counter to everything we would think. You know, I mean, she's 57 years old. She's 72 pounds overweight. Yeah. He's bald. How could they have more yeah. of an intimate relationship than that 22-year-old stud over there who's bouncing all over the place?
0: <laughs> well, I agree that we don't have very good uh, public Measurement for this—if uh, we—if we don't draw our standards, our ultimate standards from God—I'm not sure where we end up. Um, the, the Christians generally, are, I think, you're right. when it comes to marriage, I don't think there's any doubt that what uh, Christian church teaches, what Catholic church teaches, conforms with reality. The system it, works. Um, what I'm, what I'm, what I always struggle with, though, is w- what we can do to make that story more plausible. It's Because it is amazing, isn't it? When you look at movies, look at television, the it's rare to find a married couple that um, are in love. I mean, oh, let's put it this way. Virtually all acts of uh, sexual intercourse or implied intercourse are between unmarried couples. Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. Yes, yeah. So, if you, in other words, the quote: the implication is this is the best. The only way to sex do it. worth yeah. having is outside of marriage. Yeah, and um, and the irony of that, of course, is that from a Christian point of view, the only uh, physical intimacy worth having is within marriage. It isn't a matter of
1: Christian faith that says this is the way to do it because we're Christians and we believe this. Right. It is a matter of social psychology reality. Yeah. And I don't think we say enough of that. I don't think we do either. I, I, I mean, do you
0: remember you, – I'm sure you do – when – you remember in older days it was common to say uh, – divorce is not a big, children are resilient, divorce is not a big deal. Uh, you should divorce for the children's sake, because it's better that they grow up in a divorced home than that they grow up that in was a fighting the major home. I remember this so well. And then, of course, uh, by the first Bush administration anyways, because I can remember the, some of the debate on it, uh, so it would have been the early, what, 89, uh, 92. Social psychologists finally managed uh, to realize that there were real
1: problems with adult children of divorce. There are over 2,000 studies that now say divorce is bad for children. Right.
0: It took, I mean, I, I don't They're know. slow how, to when the those party. Study, I was going to say. They're slow to the it party. Took, so if the divorce revolution begins in the early 70s and these studies become popular, I remember a big thing on the, in the Atlantic Monthly about this, um, say, say 90, you're looking at 20 years. It took 20 years for them to finally get hmm. the negative news.
1: The confusion now, sexually, is identities, same-sex attraction, right, and the numbers are exploding. So a good social psychologist would say, are there other factors in this? Right, Is something else coming into play? Yeah. Ever so slowly, there are little dribs and drabs here and there where experts are coming out and saying, you know, we might we might need to take a look at the social component involved in all of this. We see social components in everything else. Right. If there's a suicide in a high school, they send in hordes of counselors because they know there's a greater chance that there could be more suicides.
0: They don't want a contagion. They don't yes. want copycat. Right. Right. Yes. But this what happened about in,
1: in a high school in my uh, in my county uh, last year? Yeah. Six suicides in one month in the high school. That's terrible.
0: Yeah. Well, that, uh, I think it was a Brown University researcher who yes, published. Yes, squashed that. Yeah, she she really, in a fairly mild way, said I, we. I think there's a contagion aspect to this transgender thing, and uh, she was just the, the president of the university. I think apologized yes. for the study. Yes, um, it takes a
1: long time for the research to trump ideology. Yes, that's good. That's a good way of putting it. That's a very good way of putting it. And even atheists, even secularists there's enough in them that searches for truth that it takes them where they go, even if they may not recognize Christianity has been there for 2,000 years. Yeah. I think that's the kicker for me, is that they don't recognize that
0: uh, traditional Christian understanding of reality has just been uh, in in some way validated and confirmed by their own research. I mean, this ideology gets in the way of good research all the time. My favorite example is from the Soviet Union, Two three generations ago at least, when uh, the head of their uh, biology research, a guy named Lysenko uh, d- didn't uh, didn't accept the the standard model of uh, uh, g- genetic heredity that we're now comfortable with. He believed much more in the um, that you could there were acquired uh, from external or environmental influences, you could change the biology. Yeah, you change here. anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And it took it took probably two generations for Soviet biology to catch up with the world because of his stranglehold on the on the science.
1: My ten children are adopted. They are, as you would expect, a wide scattergram. We
0: so showed you a picture of them
1: last of night. Personality. It looks
0: like the United Nations. <laughs>
1: Is this a club or something? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so my wife and I, up close and personal, have seen the power of genetics. Yeah. Yes. As we would raise these children with our belief system and our personalities and our home structure, some of them still are, in fact, very much... I don't want to say controlled, but directed by the genetics that they brought to our house. Yeah. And we have not been able to overcome that. Right. Now, part of that is, is complicated by their early histories, which had a lot of damage. In the mo- mother's, uh, mother's in womb. In the womb, yeah.
0: Mother's womb, yeah. Yeah. Um, again, from a Christian point of view, the, the material component of our existence is very important. God likes matter. It was his idea. He made us physical creatures. And so there no, should be no surprise to us that the genetic dimension of this has a lot to do with personality.
1: In some respects, it makes people atheists or agnostics. Tell, tell me. Keep going. Because yeah. the more that you can, quote, unquote, explain behavior— through natural processes. Yeah, I see. The implication is, well, everything we've always believed about free will right, is right. really getting getting pushed aside. The science is showing. A small example. My wife sent me an article just last night about this fella who dove into a pool, hit the bottom, had brain damage. Yeah. He is now a virtuoso pianist. Prior to that, not a thing. He couldn't, he, he couldn't do a thing on the piano. He was useless. He sat down. This was some period of time after his injury and just started to play. Really? Incredible playing. Now, somebody looks at that and says, okay, maybe we are just a bunch of chemicals. Maybe those chemicals just splash against each other in their own way. And this particular guy took a butt on the head and he somehow knocked into play some musical ability chemicals that were sort of buried. You know, when you start looking at stuff like that, right. you, you, you get confused. I looked at it and said, wow, that just tells me the intricacy of what God created. Yes.
0: Yeah, you, you, and also, you, he has to have personal exertion if he's going to be a virtuoso. He has to be telling himself, I have to practice, I got to sit down. Right. Hold it there, Ray. We'll come back and continue the conversation. Dr. Ray Gurendi, my guest. I'm Al Cresta. We're back in just a few minutes. (music) Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. With me, Dr. Ray Gurendi, clinical psychologist, public speaker. You know him, of course, as host of The Doctor Is In and Living Right with Dr. Ray. Um... You're a, you've been a therapist for 40 years. Um, you've seen s- s- difficult things. We've been talking about that. You come across couples who have marital difficulties, and you recognize that, wow, uh, they've got contempt for one another. They don't have respect for one another. Personalities are very different. Uh, What happens when you think that maybe they shouldn't have gotten married in the first
1: place? After two or three sessions, maybe four, you start to get a clearer picture. And you think to yourself, what brought these two together back when? Yeah. Typically, it's all the wrong stuff. All right. It's impulse, physical attraction. It is fun together, whatever it was. And they didn't know all the stuff involved in living together. And little by little by little, their personalities just scraped all kinds of scabs and scars yeah. all over their personas. And I think to myself, I don't say it outside out loud, but I think to myself, boy, oh boy, oh boy, they married the wrong person. Yeah, they really married the wrong person. Now, there's two levels to this. One is the Christians. Committed Christians will say, "Well, I'm I'm in. I mean, I can't I can't go anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. It's not going to happen." Less often you get both of them saying that, typically you get one of them saying that. Okay. I'm not leaving, it's not going to be me, I'm committed for life. Yeah. Then you get the non-Christians who really don't care. Eh, what the heck, I can leave, I got a moral compunction about leaving. At that point, people say to me, how do you deal with them? They're there, they're thinking, yeah. why waste the effort? What I do is I take them through the complications of what will happen after the divorce, Mm -hmm. especially if they're children. I might say something like this. Well, okay. How old are your kids? 14, 12, and 9. All right. So when you leave her, you understand that if she marries another man or lives with another man, uh, he is going to have at minimum 50% influence over your children. And you have said she's not a good disciplinarian. So she'll pretty much let them watch whatever they want to watch and do whatever they want to do. Now, can, can you live on that? And furthermore, what if that 14-year-old at age 16 says, I don't like going to my dad's house. It's boring. I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. And I'll figure out ways to sabotage it. So you really won't be seeing your son anymore. So I take him through all of this because they don't think any of this. They just think, well, it's better. Yeah, I'm yeah. better out of here. And then everything else will just fall into place. And it never does. Interesting study done. I saw this survey, Al. If a spouse dies and the marriage partner raises the children as a single parent, their adult adjustment is no worse than if they were raised by two. Oh, that's interesting. It's the dynamics of the divorce that cause the trouble.
0: So loss by death, loss by divorce are not quite the same. No,
1: they're not. Because you don't have you don't have all the complications they both of, hurt of, but they're b- of, of other parents you no. don't have the complications of other half siblings yep. you don't have the complications of wildly diverse parenting you don't have a complication of remarrying and now he has a six year old son that he favors well over my nine year old daughter yeah. you don't have any of that yeah that's the factor
0: hmm. uh, over the period of time that you've been uh, doing therapy uh have you seen changes within the Christian community, Christians who present themselves for therapy, have their attitudes
1: changed in accord with the world's? I'm getting to the point now where I'm able to select who I want to see. Oh, I see. Okay. And because of that, I am much more inclined— to accept people that have some kind of Christian sensibility so that we can work within that moral system.
0: Well, your original research from years ago indicated the importance of faith for holding
1: families together. But we were told, as psychologists, you do not bring up religion, you do not talk religion, you do not talk morals, you do not talk values. This is all therapy neutral. I remember even then as a 24-year-old thinking, how can you do that? (laughs) How does that happen? I, I, I've always thought the same. You know, you,
0: you can't talk about the, the one thing which is, is central to a
1: person's life, yes. or at least, you
0: know, it makes the claim that it ought to be central to a well, person's life. Well, even if you life. think it's
1: nonsense, it's still their world. Exactly. And as a therapist, you're supposed to get into their world. I can't tell you how many people have come to me and have said, we had therapy, but our therapist was a secular therapist, and he couldn't relate to anywhere where we were coming from. And all the research says the number one healing component in therapy is something they call the therapeutic alliance. In other words, it's so powerful that that therapist understands me. I feel a connection with that therapist. It is so powerful that it overrides the particular approach.
0: Yeah, 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 that's right. I mean, yeah, that's right, because it's the strength of the relationship. And again, this comes back to, I think, my own opinion is that this has a lot to do with how Christians were made in in the image and likeness of God. And human beings, when they're relating to one another in helpful, serving, honoring ways, it's healthy. It's it's a good thing for us to be in relationship with a people helper who who understands us and has insights that they can share with us, or they can help us uh, prescribe uh, a pattern uh of uh for for our future uh do you do you think that uh Christians entering the field of therapy over the last generation
1: has been good for the industry, so to speak they 've been beat up. I cannot tell you how many have come to me and said I am in a graduate program where I have to keep my head down so that 's still the case absolutely. Yeah. As a matter of fact, even probably more so yeah. because they are told to accept whatever sexual variety is there, no matter how miserable the client comes Had, in. And says, wasn't
0: there a period of time, though, where the, the, the people were the, the things were softening up? There was a recognition, you know, after the, the there was humanistic psychology that came in, which kind of beat back the behaviorism and the Freudianism and there was a for at least a period of time there was a respect for what you were saying earlier you have to get inside the world of the client uh, and and um but i thought that's when we had uh, these big christian association of psychological studies coming up and all those groups i think there's
1: been a resurgence Ideology of, of with, the secularist ideology yeah. is very yeah. powerful that's, in our that's, culture now.
0: That seems that seems to be true. Uh, and there, there are, too. for example, yeah. certain
1: therapists that you can't do certain things. Um, for example, in some states, if someone comes in and says, "I'm very, very dissatisfied with the with the sec- same sex life I've been living," well, you're not allowed to treat them. You can't. So even if the client
0: presents yes. the problem right. of I'm I'm yes. have same sex attraction.
1: I don't like that. Yes, I, uh, I, I, it's caused a lot of trouble for me. I, I want to learn how to live with it in a better way. Uh, there, there are some places you can't. You can't. Oh, wow. yeah. Uh,
0: when do you think that? When did you see that resurgence of the secular in such a hostile way? I know in places it's always been there, but yeah. I mean it seems to be very ideological. I think it's recent. It's ten years. Yeah. It's see, recent. I think it's. I. I. I see the rise of the new atheism directly related to the to nine eleven. Uh, because the uh, Hitchens, um,
1: uh, Dawkins, you see what religion does.
0: Yes, and 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 that became the new uh, and social media growing up at that time too. I think began to give the secularist, the atheist, a kind of a bite that they had lost. They were kind of toothless for a while, and now their fangs have come back. And uh, and I see it's showing up many, many different places, and it's being recognized, I think, by Christians uh, more and more. But So therapists now, so in your own field, oh, sure, the young Christian therapists are having, or aspiring therapists
1: are having trouble. Aspiring therapists are very much having trouble, and I tell them, you you got to do what you can. And they say, well, I, I can't keep my head low because because we are required to practice a certain way. We are required to say certain things on papers. We have to. That is the the enlightened way to view things. The, um,
0: so, so they're back to believing this kind of uh, universal, that they have, that they know reality. Yes. That's uh, The irony of this yes. is it's incredible, because these are the people who generally don't think that there's any final or ultimate
1: reality. That's the irony. Yeah. Im, Im, I always say this, Al. Immorality is illogical. Right. right. It is incoherent. You can't defend it using logic. Okay, I am open to all worldviews, except those other than mine. <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: Uh, no, Nobody's a perfect relativist, because they have to always have some place they're standing by which they're right. evaluating yeah. what's going on around them. Uh, nobody relativizes themselves out of the discussion. Um, it's
1: like the old, who was it that I think it was Chesterton that said, "When you run up against somebody who says there's too many people in the world, ask them one question: <laughs> How are you so sure you're not one of the too many?" <laughs> that's that's right. That's right.
0: Um, uh, you you uh, many people know you, of course, as as a as a Uh, advice giver, uh, therapist, but you're also quite skilled as an apologist, too. That's a side view that people don't often know. It was forced
1: upon me. Tell me about it. When I left the church, I was a new atheist. Uh, The old atheists make logical sense. There's no God, therefore I can pretty much do what I want. The new atheist, there is a God, but he thinks just like me. (laughs) <laughs> and that's how I drifted into the—I was a Christian still, but Catholic, Methodist, Evangelical, yeah. kinda, let's all just kind of get along, and then God's God, Jesus is Jesus. Yeah. And as I got further and further into the Protestant world, I became more and more distressed at what I saw as all kinds of self-contradictions, things that didn't hold together. I'm an engineer when I was first educated, so I can't say, Al— you have your formulas and I have my formulas. We have right. to agree to physically disagree. Right. No, because somebody's bridge falls down. Right, right. And I couldn't handle that with religion either. I thought there's got to be some ground for truth here. Right. And I started just digging and digging and digging and digging and digging. And I used to beg God. I used to say, just give me faith. Just give me faith. Please. You said, ask. Okay, I'm asking. And it never happened in, on my timetable. And what I found was... He's smarter than I am. <laughs> he knew that I would keep digging. And in that digging, I there's not too much somebody throws at me that I haven't struggled with myself. Yourself.
0: You haven't already passed through yourself. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Ray, let me thank you for being with me. And uh, we're glad you did all that digging, by the way. Oh, thank Just you. Want to thank you so much. Dr. Ray Garendi. again, listen to him regularly on The Doctor is In. I'm Al Crestor.